ESPN LA 710. Hey, Travis Rogers here. When you're not listening to me on the Lakers pre and post game shows, tune in to The Experience with Laferne Cusack, where she goes beyond the play and focuses on athletes, fans, and the biggest events that inspire and shape our community. Listen to The Experience with Laferne Cusack, Sundays, 5 to 6 a.m. ESPN LA 710. Welcome to The Experience here on ESPN LA 710. I'm Laferne Cusack. For more information, please log on to ESPNLA.com. And go to the experience page or check me out on Twitter at Laferne Cusack. In studio, so happy to have world-renowned artist Brian Courtney Wilson. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to have you. We it's met so funny. You have an NPR voice. <laughs> sound. And I wasn't ready for it. Oh, you were <laughs> But yeah, that's what I hear. Yeah. yeah. Like we're going to talk about deep I things. <laughs> My radio voice. We're going to save the world. Right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but your voice is spectacular. And want to tell our audience, I was emceeing an event a couple weeks ago for the Los Angeles Christian Health Center. Mm-hmm. And they were raising money for Joshua Tree their new facility for the homeless and you were the event spectacular (laughs) (laughs) you were the art performing artist and i was like oh my god you are so great oh my god and then i tried to tell him what he needed to do for his career and he's like don't you know who i am i was not i did not do that i did not do that and i was like no sorry i was like keep going But tell, thank you. Yes. So uh, tell us, uh, tell us about your background. You're from Chicago, and I and you're a Bears fan, right? I am still Bears yeah. fan, Bulls Every, fan, everything Chicago fan, White Sox fan, yeah. and the Cubs. I'm not mad at. Yeah, no, not. But at I'm all. a White Sox fan. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. yeah. So, um, how many games did you get out to um, while in Chicago? I probably maybe one or two a year mm-hmm. out to the Bears games, and then the Bulls games. We used to go a lot when I was younger. Yeah. Especially, I remember we always had Milwaukee Bucks tickets when we went. I guess Milwaukee Bucks tickets were on sale. <laughs> so we would go see the Bucks and the Bulls. Really? And the Bulls always would win those games. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever uh, check out any games here in Los Angeles? You know, I've never, I've never been to a game here. And I'm thinking it's about it's spectacular. But you live I can imagine. You live in Texas now. Yeah, correct? I live in Texas. Yeah. So what what is your, you know, sports outlook for I still I love the Rockets. I think the Rockets are doing really well and I think they got a good shot, one of the best shots they've ever had to come out the the West. Chris Paul, man, has been excellent. Is uh it's what James Hart needed, that leadership, that that steadying hand. Because you know, he has a lot on his shoulders from a scoring standpoint, getting his other players involved and to have someone with um the veteran leadership of Chris Paul come in mm-hmm. and help in that regard. And somebody who's been I love this word, been as faithful as Chris Ball has been to his craft and to the game, to see him have the opportunity to uh, contend in this way has been cool. Yeah. And what you talk about, the craft is uh, something that a lot of people know about, but a lot of people don't do not have the determination or do not have the power to stick with it. Right. And I'm going to revert that back to you because, you know, growing up in Chicago, you knew you had this gift. You knew you had this gift to change the world. Tell us how you got into uh, gospel music and when you started singing. Well, what's funny, I did not know I always had a gift to change the world. I knew that my dad wanted me to go to choir rehearsal and he was the man. So he 
that he made that happen. <laughs> like on Saturday nights. And I, you know, I tell this story. I didn't want to go because my favorite TV shows were on at the time. <laughs> the Love Boat and, and uh, Fantasy Island. But he would make me go to choir rehearsal with the men because the men wanted to mentor some young boys um, to be in their, their male chorus. And man, I remember we didn't really even sing that much. It was it was more listening to them tell stories and testify about um, things they had gone through through the week. It was, you know, these are um, working class black men in Chicago and it wasn't easy all mm-hmm. the time. And so that's what I learned about music and, and gospel music, especially. It's not just about the execution of the music. It's about the community that's built around the music. And uh, that's what I hope people hear in the music I do now, the heart connected to trying to pull people together so they can pull each other up. Oh, yeah. You you've accomplished that check <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah going back to your what you said about craft it was really you had to go to rehearsal ultimately and you had to go even when you didn't feel like it you had to sing the parts that you were supposed to sing even when you didn't feel like it and that's you know when we talked about chris paul for chris paul to be who chris paul is there are times when he had to do things over and over again um to the point of monotony, to the point of like, yo, this is killing me to do this. Mm-hmm. But he had a larger goal in mind. And before he got the larger goal in mind, I'm sure there was someone around that gave it to him. Right. Like, I'm just going to make you do this until you get it, right. you know. And so I think anybody that wants to be great at something they're doing, they have to be able to to endure that type of uh, repetition. Yeah. And also, you know, you talk about mentorship to have someone by you to guide you to to lead you to the point to say, no, you're not giving up now. It's like, no, right. I don't want to go. But no, you are going. And this is wrong. Mm-hmm. What you're doing right now is wrong. You need to do something else. Do mm-hmm. something different. You know, you got to have all of that. And what you're doing right now is right. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. You got to you got to have that people in your life like that. Prayerfully, you have that. Yeah. I heard a story today about a young girl who is unfortunately addicted to narcotics Mm -hmm. and her mother never told her no at all. And finally, one day her mom told her no and she started crying and everyone's like, why are you crying? And she goes, well, finally, I know that she cares about me. Oh my goodness. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. she cares enough to tell me, no, I can't, you know, whatever. Wow, 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 wow. But it's that, that thing of, you know, having that person, that mentor, that loved one that cares enough to tell you, hey, you maybe, let's try this road and, you know, instead of this way. Mm, they didn't say it like that, though. They're like, man, you better get up. <laughs> They didn't even say it like that. I'm cleaning it up for, oh, right. for ESPN slash NPR. You know. It's, but they told me directly and hard, and they did not care whether I understood in the moment. Right. You know what I mean? It's, it's Man, it's one of the things I'm so happy about now. It's like I've lived long enough to see uh, God connect the dots and see how he was planting seeds through the correction I was getting when I was younger to now mm-hmm. and what he was preparing me for. You know, and you know, you don't always get an explanation. How could you understand anyway? Exactly. You know, in the moment until you live it out. And so I'm I'm grateful I've had people that did not care about how I scrunched my face up. You know, when they said whatever, they just they love me enough to keep moving me forward. Mm-hmm. And that is also one thing is like when you're in a situation, you don't know what you're learning or you don't know what you need to learn until after you go through it and going through it is the courage. Right. Right. I felt. Absolutely. 
So tell us, so you went to college in Champlain? Champaign. Champaign, Urbana. Yeah. Champaign. University now, of Illinois. Now, Champaign, Urbana. So. One of the flying Illini. Ah, how was that experience? It was beautiful, man. I had a, um, I had a great time. I was blessed to be able to go because, you know, it's a, it's a magnificent school. And um, I met a lady I'm still connected to now. Her name is Dr. Ollie Watts Davis. And she was probably one of the first models I had musically of a person who just mastered their trade and mastered, um, I said trade craft, really, because mm-hmm. you don't always get to trade on it. You know, you just do it because it's worth doing. And uh, but not just that, just her her bearing, her presence, uh, the grace she spoke with, the the expectation she will raise in you. I think about it all the time. I, I take it this day, Dr. Ollie Watts Davis, and she led the choir was the University of Illinois Black Chorus. And she uh, her charge was to preserve the um, the value that we have for black sacred music. So the spiritual gospel music, um, things like that. She wanted to make sure that was presented in a way that preserved its value. Can you tell us more about that? And for people that don't know, like. What do you mean to preserve? Well, that it's not just something you throw together, that there's there there are parts of it that are worth rehearsing and rehearse rehearsing well. So you get to the nuance of it and, you know, you took it as a class. So there was a credit connected to to being in the choir. And so you couldn't just uh, blow it off like you were volunteering. You know what I mean? And there were times when in the rehearsals you didn't really get how magnificent what we were doing were it wasn't it wasn't until you got in front of an audience uh, and you were able to execute what you were doing but when you were singing didn't you feel didn't did you feel the energy of your not wife all, not all the time because of some of the content she was choosing sometimes oh. she would choose um spirituals that were bordering on like classical and many of us hadn't been exposed to that and so she was when she was uh, teaching us these songs and breaking it down in, in bits and pieces so we could learn it. You don't always get it while you're putting it together. It wasn't until you actually executed it. And it took maybe two, three minutes in its execution. And then you see the response and then you feel the resonance mm-hmm. in the room that you got, like why it was worth learning, mm-hmm. why it was worth uh, contending for with your time, with your your uh, your attention to detail. And what in that, led you to or lit the flame that was like this is my calling this is what I want to do I don't know that that did Uh, because even then I don't know that I saw myself doing this professionally I didn't I didn't really come to it as like I'm going to do gospel music professionally until I moved to Houston Mm-hmm. And I met this guy. He's he since passed. His name was Hank Neal. And he was working at uh, one of the largest, the largest black church. No, the largest church in United Methodism at the time. It's called Windsor Village United Methodist Church. I'd never seen anything like it when I came in where what they were talking about was not just stuff you apply to Sunday morning, but things you could apply to life, like, you know, home ownership and how you fix your credit and stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. I had never seen that. Right. And then I saw this man who was, I mean, a magnificent musician, magnificent singer and seemed like he cared more about, you know, talking to everybody that came in the door 
you know, and making sure people felt loved when they came in the door. And it just reminded me of the things I grew up with, the things that I had come to see as important, in addition to the grace he showed while we contended for excellence, right? Which took me back to Dr. Ollie Watts Davis. And so I'm seeing these things and I'm still like, yo, this is like awesome what you're doing, you know? But I have a job in corporate America. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I'm like, I got to pay the bills. Yeah. But I still feel like this tug to something more. And slowly but surely, time with him, time in that church, kind of listen to them talking about stepping out on faith and doing what you wanted to do. Then one day getting an opportunity to sing on their first recording, they decided to record an album. And they asked me, oh, man, I'll never forget it. He asked me to sing on the album because I had been so faithful in rehearsal and singing my parts, especially the high parts that sometimes the tenors wouldn't sing. He was like, man, I know you could sing this this note. They want me to sing it, but I think you should sing it because I know you could sing. It was a B flat. I oh. know you could sing this B flat. Here. Yeah. Can you can you hit that for us one time? So I know what a B flat is. I'd have to play it on a <laughs> piano because I can't just pick it out because that would be uh, A, B, C. God, I think it's there. God. Awesome. No, oh. that's too low. <laughs> God. That was it. Wow. The Lord, my God. Wow. It was called Awesome God, right? And it became like this regional hit. You know, and that was once I saw that, that's what really pushed me like, yo, I need to give this a shot and I need to give it a shot before I look up one day and regret not having tried. Right. No regrets. No regrets. You don't want that. Yeah. So you started writing your own music. Yes. That that particular church had. um they wanted to do what they call secret services at the time for people that, you know, didn't really want to go to church mm -hmm. uh, because of for whatever reason they weren't attracted to conventional church. Mm -hmm. And the pastors there at the time knew that I was interested in doing more than what we were doing every Sunday. And I started writing for these services and helping to lead these services. And that's how I started writing original, original Christian music. So there is a, a, a a way to write music. How did you learn that? Was that in college or was it after college or? Um, well, I, I did start writing in college, but I wasn't writing Christian music. I didn't, I don't know that I worship God as much <laughs> as I worship. I was, I was what you would call girl crazy <laughs> in college. So when I wrote songs, I was, they, they were really about girls. This one, I still remember it was, uh, uh, it's called I Wish I Was a Player. And I met this. There was a, a young lady I had a crush on and she we would talk and she was always talk about the players. In fact, the dudes that she was attracted to were they were considered players, you know. And I'm like, yo, I don't understand why you would want to spend time with dudes that, you know, are going to play you. And the song was like, I wish I was this guy. So mm -hmm. I so I wouldn't, you know. But that's that's it started there. And I had a good friend. We're still good friends today. She her dad was doing music on the north side of Chicago. And he asked, in Evanston. No, that's not. No, no. It was yeah, <laughs> close to Evanston, but it was Wicker Park. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he would have me come in. He had a little studio set up and he had me coming in. And I didn't know what was what 
So I came in and did the music because I was my friend and she was telling me to trust him. His name was Irvin, Irvin Mayfield, who has since passed. But that's where I learned that I really wasn't supposed to be doing R&B music. Like, cause he had me doing like, I did photo shoots. I had my arms out, you know, and it, it just never felt <laughs> all the way right, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Brian Courtney Wilson. So. <laughs> Back to NPR. Here we go. All right. <laughs> so, Brian, so you... You didn't feel, I, I hate to use the word authentic, but that's the kick word. It didn't feel, it. that's it. It didn't, it didn't feel, feel authentic like, to me. I didn't feel like very passionate about it. Right. Doing it. So you were, con- you connected with who you are, who you, you wanted to be and you chose differently. Yes. It was like, man, when I got to that church and we were singing those songs on Sunday and I was watching the response, mm-hmm. and I and I knew my why. Like I knew why I was singing the songs. You know, that's very interesting. I I had a interview a, a couple months ago with these two N- former NFL players. They were talking about when they get into the NFL, how much stress it is to you know maintain or get the money, get the cars, get the clothes, get the everything, and how to live up to whatever that status is. Mm -hmm. But you are totally opposite. You're like, oh, that doesn't feel right. No, I'm, I don't really want to do this because it doesn't feel like me. Mm -hmm. How did you overcome the, the uh, materialistic things to get on stage and be who you are? Brian Courtney Wilson. You know, I don't know. I just have never thought about it. Like, and maybe it's because I'm not, I, I'm not a wealthy man. You know, some of the temptations NFL players might be faced with is because they do get a large amount of money at one time, you know, and that's after having suffered to get there. Right. Suffered on the practice field. Uh, many times they've suffered economically before they've gotten there, you know, and then people have an expectation of success or, and what it should look like. Man, I just looked, I was talking to a friend of mine tonight and we, we were talking about this word trappings that I've heard people say, but I actually looked it up because he bristled at the word because I was describing some of the blessings that he had around him. And he was like, nah, I'm not, I don't feel trapped at all. This is where exactly where I want to be. This is what I want. In fact, I can have more if I want it. And you need to understand that. And he, you know, he was showing me, but that word trappings means the things that you have to to um, support a certain role or to support a perception that people have of you. That's those are trappings. And he didn't have that. But I, I imagine sometimes you, you can be tempted to obtain those things if you haven't had them in a while mm-hmm. or never had them. And then people expect you to have them. Right. But there's also having a foundation of, of self, as well. So if you are strong within self, you know that, you know, you don't care what Billy Bob thinks of you or what you have or don't have. Or, you know, if if you don't have this car and this woman wants you to have this car, it's like, OK, well, I guess I'm not going to be with that woman. You know, just not the the right person. Yeah, I don't know why that's never I don't know why that's never really affected me. Because you know yourself, Brian. You know yourself. But I'm telling you, even as we, I do, like we saw a matted Lamborghini when we drove up here. Man, it it looked sweet. I was like, man, that's nice. He must be doing okay. 
Or she must be doing okay. Or they rented it for the day because it's L.A. Or oh, people do that? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Or they have it and they have nothing in their apartment, their one-bedroom apartment. You but, never know. Right. You know? You, but it, it, it does. And maybe that's what it is. Like, I know enough to know that you never know what you're really looking at. Mm-hmm. And even if you're looking at a lot of money, you know, stuff that a lot of money could buy, it doesn't change the fact that everybody feels pain. Mm-hmm. Everybody everybody goes through storms and things that and they loss. could not have been lost and things they could not, they cannot buy them their way out of. They got to go through it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, it, and I think that is the great equalizer there. Right. I'm stopping for a second oh, okay. because we so before we came on air, I was calling uh, the ESPN people and trying to figure out passwords. And I, I just looked down at here and here's the passwords. Oh, OK. <laughs> and I want you to know oh my gosh, I wanted that you I followed know. up on that. <laughs> I followed up on the password <laughs> and it's right here in bold letters right yes. in front of me. Hilarious. That that took a. Uh, what did what did it take like twenty five minutes for me but to do? It and got it done didn't though, <laughs> but it got done, and I'm proud of you. Okay. For, oh, thank uh, you. Yeah, thank you. Never give people, up. A lot of people would have given up. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so but but that is true. It's just like having having the courage to go through it, and I like what you're saying is that you you weren't even acknowledging that, but I think that may go back to how you were raised or the environment you were in, whether it's, um, you know, environment that is supportive of you and not of all the stuff and things that you need to acquire to be a man. Well, I'll tell you. You're right to a certain extent because there are things I didn't even know people had, you know. <laughs> yes. Until, honestly, until I got out of college. Like, I never, I didn't know that people had access to certain things. Me too. And that's one one of the things I want to make sure my kids know, actually, too, that there are things out there that you can plant for. Mm-hmm. But you got to plant early for, you know. Um, but now I didn't know. And no one, you know, in my neighborhood, nobody really had anything like that where no one treated life like they were missing anything. You know what I'm saying? Like we always had enough. Yes. In fact, I did a song about it. It's, it's called So Proud. And I talk about how we didn't have all the finest things, but what we had was enough to keep living and laughing and loving every day. And that's what we did, you know, and we trusted God and we uh, and we just kept going, you know. So it never occurred to me that I was missing something. Yeah. And is that on your current? Financially, you know. Yeah. No, that was my, that's my second project okay. called So Proud. That was a title track, So Proud. Hey, every record has had a title track. Just Love, So Proud, Worth Fighting For, and then this, this latest one was a great work. That's interesting. Yeah. The great work got me. I was like, oh. You like that? Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. It's... Yeah, it reminded, <laughs> it reminded me of who I am, mm-hmm. you know, it reminded me that, oh, right. Yes. All that other stuff doesn't matter. Be solid in who I am and go forth. Right. And, yeah. and present circumstance, good or bad, does not dictate that. Mm-hmm. That's that's something that is inherent and you got to own it. And I think 
a lot of times we have forces that try to separate us from that truth and get us to, oh my goodness, they get us trapped, you know, buying stuff, to try to make up for it, mm-hmm. you know, or letting people in our lives to try to make up for it mm-hmm. or, you know, um, getting addicted to things to try to make up for a void that is a lie. You mm-hmm. you are not missing anything. You have everything you need. You will you were made in God's image. So when you walk in the room, you've already blessed the room. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's what I, I said to you when I met you at the event. I was like, oh, my goodness, like your power and your strength. I'm like, people are going to come to you because you naturally have that and they want it. Mm-hmm. I was like, OK, Brian. So this is what you need to watch out for these people. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's true. And I'm only saying that because I've experienced it and I couldn't see it for myself. But I saw it in you. So, but what hap- what happens sometimes when you, especially if you get into uncomfortable situations, you could forget it. I think. And so, man, it's funny. I was, I was, my vocal coach, who's really like a therapist. One of the things he's coaching me on is like remembering, like especially in uncomfortable situations, who you are. That the situation does not dictate who you are. Mm-hmm. You are who you are. You know. And you don't have to apologize for it. You don't have to apologize. He said his words were, you don't have to make amends for who you are. Yeah. You know, I like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there was this young, there was this young lady named Kristen. (laughs) Uh, What'd she say? (laughs) She was full of life. You know, everything I was back in the younger years. (laughs) And I was like, you know what, Kristen? Don't let the elevator pull you down. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. You are great. You have a light. Let it shine. She goes, okay, yeah, no, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved her ever since. And I'm saying that because she's here in studio. And Hey, Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> Kristen's doing all of our social media. So thank you, Kristen. Thank you, Kristen. Yeah. <laughs> so getting back to, you know, how you're writing your music, you talked about, um, now I'm sorry, I just forgot the last song, the one that touched me. The one that a, touched a me. A great work. A great work. Okay, mm-hmm. so worth fighting for. Let's talk about that one. How you came about writing it, and that was connected to um, really some career stuff I was going through, where I I wasn't sure. Oh man, I wasn't sure I was going to get another green light to keep moving forward in my career, you know, um, and I had to like really wrestle with giving up on singing ever again, like, or ever having the opportunity to sing again Wow! on some of the stages I thought I, you know, uh, should be on. Uh, I had to deal with the em- embarrassment of having to stop at the red light when everybody was like, man, I thought you were, thought you were rolling, you know? Um, uh, but the song basically is saying that God still saw me as worth. I like, I keep saying this word contend, contending for fighting for, um, proved it on the cross when he died on the cross for my sins. Right. And so it's, um, it behooves me 
to keep fighting for the things that matter to me, for the things I love, because that's what drove him. That's what motivated him was love. So I had to fight for my career, for the calling on my life, for my children and the example I set for my wife and my family and making sure everybody felt peace because I kept leading, Mm -hmm. you know, and didn't and didn't just give up because the light was red, but kept expecting it to turn turn green again. And I'm man, I'm 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 laughing to myself. Cause I'm really borrowing all this stuff from this guy, Nick Cooper, who I was talking to today. Mm-hmm. Nick Cooper is a vocal coach here in LA who's, you know, he's worked with several great people, man. And I, I'm blessed to have gotten a chance to sit with him, but he just kind of, he reminded me uh, that you can't let the red light, lights trip you out. And to get back to the answer to your question, cause I'm going, I know I'm going all the way around. That's what that song is about. Remembering if you ever find yourself in this good fight of faith where you have to, you have to keep contending for something that you can't see right now, but you know it's it's, it's for you and you need to go get it. Mm-hmm. You got to fight. But know that you're not fighting alone. God is fighting with you. You're never alone in this fight. And that's that's what I hope people hear when they hear that song. Yeah. How how long does it take you to write a song or come up with it? The short The short answer is sometimes it takes like an hour, you know. But I really think it takes longer than that because you're drawing from life experience. And so there's songs like we're fighting for in particular that started with a conversation at lunch with the co-writer of the song. But it took two years, close to two years for that song to get finished because I had to live out what that song was going Uh, to mean. Right. You know, and then when I lived it out and it came to me, Mm -hmm. it came like that. Yeah. It came in moments. You know, but I had to live it out to see it. So it just depends. But once you get it, like if it if it flows well, it doesn't take very long. Technically, but the 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 content of it, the spirituality of it, that could take a while because mm-hmm. you got to live it. Mm-hmm. Or you or you sometimes you hear somebody else that lived it and they tell you the story and you're able to like. Uh, distill that story into something musical. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's all uh, just like you know a football player. You know, out on the field, it's like you have to work those plays. You have to do it over and over and over again, and you have to develop those skills and those muscle uh, uh, where your your muscles automatically know what's going to happen. <laughs> you know Man, what I mean? Like this shot LeBron just made. <laughs> Against Toronto, that running jumper. How long did it take you to make that shot? Well, it took what uh, a fraction of a second to make the shot, but the hours it took for him to practice that shot, mm-hmm. and that his teammates could testify to, like he practices those shots. The years it has taken him to develop the confidence to take that shot and believe he will make, because he hasn't always had that to make that shot. The the years it has taken him to build the resolve to say, okay. It's all on me. I'm going to make the shot and we're going to win. And it took much longer than the fraction of a second for him to make that shot. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what do you do, Brian, as a uh, a world renowned artist when sometimes you may get down and you may get off track um, and your confidence may be. One critical thing has been staying connected to the local church. 
um, and and making sure you go in and you listen to what the leadership is saying in those churches and really listen to the people like listen to what they need because the music is for me is about meeting needs and helping to fill voids and helping to uh, create something useful that again um, nurtures the community keeps the community going forward and moving forward in a positive way so that's one of the things that consistently has sustained me along the way. Mm-hmm. If I get stuck kind of going to church and just listening and paying attention to what people are saying and what's important to them. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like the event that we were at together, the LACHC Los Angeles right. Christian Health Center. So their mission is to show God's love by providing quality comprehensive health care services to the homeless and underserved. And my goodness, Dr. Lisa there is mm-hmm. so amazing. When I went on a tour of the clinic, her love for the community and the people that she serves and how important it was for her to be able to get the funds so she can continue to serve the homeless. Right. It was so wonderful. It's a great work. She's doing a great one. She is. Yeah, she is. And that's why I couldn't wait to sing that song that night. Oh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like everything, all, every theme that they were communicating that night. I just knew we had a song for it, yes. you know? So it was, um, yeah, it's a beautiful thing that they're doing there. Yeah. And uh, if you want more information on it, you could go to LACHC.com and uh, find out more information about that and the Joshua uh, Center that they're building and ways that you can give back. Um, Brian, can you talk about how the music industry now? I, I'm not sh- sure about the gospel industry. I know you hear a lot of things about the music industry and you know, what people are doing and how different is the gospel music industry than mainstream media? I don't even know if I'm saying it correctly. Well, I think one of the things that we have to deal with is uh, we don't have as many outlets for the music. Um, That's why I'm really, I'm glad you guys are having me on ESPN LA because, you know, we wouldn't typically call you guys and say, hey, man, we, (laughs) you know, Right. You know, and and there have been times. And why not? You see what I'm saying? But that's because there have been times when we have called different places and they're like, well, we don't really do religious stuff, you know. And so sometimes the assumption is made that your stuff is not going to fit in in certain boxes. But that's how you change the the pitch of it. Like, you know, saying, you know, the NFL players goes through this with the and gospel. You know what I mean? Well, that's what that's. um. Why we are here tonight, actually, yeah. because I won't, we've and I say we my team and I, Chris and I, we we Chris? we want to be intentional mm-hmm. about putting this in as many hands as possible and not boxing it in, mm-hmm. you know, because um, I think it's that important. I think is that value. It's that valuable what we're carrying. Mm-hmm. And if you may, you may not go to a church, but this still matters what we're saying. Mm-hmm. And I think it's still going to bless you yeah. if you get a chance to listen to it. Yeah. You'll be glad you did. Yeah. And uh, if we would like to get your CD, your music, how can we do that? Well, we're everywhere music is sold. In fact, even Walmart is carrying our songs because uh, 
they believe in what we're doing. That's no small thing because they don't carry a lot of CDs anymore. Uh, but you can also stream on uh, every digital outlet. In fact, you can go to my Instagram and the link is right there. It's Brian Courtney Wilson on Instagram. Uh, you can go to my website, Brian and everything is listed there. In fact, you can even get a T-shirt. Says, go be great. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> I like I like my shirts. I like that. Yeah, I yeah. like it. I saw that. And uh, so, but everywhere music is sold is where you can get the CD. Right. So, Brian. So, <laughs> I know we talked about. You asked me about Drake the other did day. I? Yeah. What did, did I say? You said, "Hey, how do you like Drake?" And I was like, "I I like that he loves his mom and his bed." Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, we were talking about <laughs> the connection Drake has because my daughter loves Drake. Yeah. I mean, she loves Drake. Ah. Uh, and I, I I joke with her about it because like I ha- I'm like I have music too. Pay attention to my song. <laughs> but I'm I'm no Drake. Oh. And she's made that clear. You're not Drake. But when I was listening to the song on my way to work the other day, I was like, yeah. Brian could do a song with Drake. That would be sweet. Where Drake, you guys can do- get at me. <laughs> <laughs> get at me. I know you come through Houston all the time. Get at me. For real. Yeah. Like, you know, God's, God's plan. God's plan is sweet. Yeah. And I do like that song yeah. a lot. Yeah, I started. I like a lot of Drake, though. And yeah. I like I like that he, I get the impression that he does not take himself um, that serious. Yeah. Like, he, you know, he's, a- he's serious about his craft. He's serious about his career. But he knows enough not to take himself too seriously. And I could point to like some of the SNL skits I've seen. Oh my him do. goodness. Yeah. But I saw him funny. on SNL and I, I didn't know it was him. Yeah. And then uh, I was like, who is this guy? He's so funny. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> right. So I, I like that about him. Yeah. Him and Chance, the rapper. He's another Oh my one. Yeah, goodness. Funny dude. Yeah. And Chance from Chicago. Right. Um, he's really active in the community and um, his father is is as well um i know a lot of people talk about chicago as oh my goodness you know don't go to chicago this and that and chirac and all that what are your thoughts on uh chicago um and the our our youth in chicago i guess that's all i can say well chicago has always had places where you should not linger you know, if you didn't know where you were going, that's that's always been the case. Uh, Just like every other town. Yeah. And it it still has it still has some great people. Mm-hmm. It still has great youth that are doing great things. Absolutely. And um, uh, I would say even with the pain that comes with some of the violence that's going on, I mean, there's still plenty of things that are worth believing in in Chicago. And if you need to point to any example, you could point to Chance the Rapper. Like, he's a great example. So um, what I think is I have not heard enough to disparage Chicago. I love it. Mm-hmm. And it's still great. I know. I do, too. I'd still be living there if it weren't for the right. Nicole. <laughs> but, yeah, I hate I hate when I hear about the murders and stuff going yeah. on. That's terrible. It is. But yeah. like I said, they go on everywhere. But it, it, I think it goes back to the leadership, but also as like you as an artist, I think music can touch people in ways that um, m- maybe someone in politics can't. Yeah, no question. In fact, there's a there's a spot called Donda's house. And I want to say it was started because uh, of Kanye West, mom. But they're you know, they're working with the kids there to like create art and, you know, 
like create beautiful things, even amidst some of the pain that they might be witnessing. And I, you know, I support what they're doing. I like, I love what they're doing. Yeah. Cause I don't know that I would have, I don't know what, what I would have been without music as an outlet for myself. So I know that that's important because not everybody's playing basketball, not everybody's playing football. So there are other ways to, to, to be great. Mm-hmm. And that was one for me. So I'm glad that they're them creating that outlet for kids there. Right. I know, like for me, I, I wish, I wish I could sing, you know, like there's. You do? <laughs> no, I, yes, I wish I could Really? Sing. Oh, yeah. You ever been in a choir? Yes. It didn't work out? <laughs> what happened? Because <laughs> I, I saw something on your face like, oh, yeah, yeah, I did. I tried. Yeah, it. I tried. I tried. What happened, what though? I, I, you know. I was called Froggy. Oh, <laughs> somebody know? hurt you. Somebody, somebody hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> Love song. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I tried, but I have to probably take some voice lessons from your your friend therapist so i i can be confident in breathing in you should go and using my voice he's amazing for real (laughs) you should go meet nick cooper oh he's not far from here either yeah what makes him amazing he knows that there's more connected to it than just your your technical skill and you know the apparatus that you're using Mm mm-hmm your heart needs to be tied to it. Your spirit needs to be tied to it. You need to know enough about who you are to pick the right songs for you. So you're singing your truth every time when you're communicating with people and you're not, he knows that you have to let go. And there's a level of let go ness (laughs) that's that transcends how good someone sounds. Mm. And if you can, if you can figure out how to just let go, you, I mean, you, you connect in a beautiful way mm-hmm. and the stuff he's saying, it's not just about music. It's about living your life. Mm-hmm. You know, the music is just a manifestation of the fact that you got it, but we all need to do it. Mm-hmm. In fact, life is music. Life is sound and frequency and, and connecting and resonance and vibration. And I, I just think he gets that, you know, in a brilliant way. He is absolutely worth going to see. Oh, well, I'll ask for his number. Later. I can't wait to give you his number. Seriously, <laughs> seriously, right. I can't wait to give you his number because you, you're you going to be glad you met him. Oh, right. I will. So, Brian, you know, we're, we're talking about Drake, but how do you as an artist, you know, we, we talked about, you know, a niche. You, you're in the gospel you're in the gospel area, but <laughs> how how do you trans? Well, I don't know if you want to say transcend, but how do you how do you do that to where you are singing with you know Chance the Rapper or Drake or you know or you take the music to mainstream where you know they're playing it on you know mainstream radio. I don't know. So. Or do you want that? I mean, or is that? A- no, I do. Oh. I actually, and you know what's funny? I we just got added in Houston on the um the they call it the People Station one hundred two the Magic one hundred two station, and it's you know 
it really was just Stevie Wonder. Right. Yeah, you playing it next to no, no. This is in oh. Houston, though. Oh, oh, this oh, is oh. in Houston. So they have not played gospel music on this station, like new gospel music, there in like two years. But I happened to run into um, the program director at a, an event for the mayor, where the mayor's office asked me to come out and just hang out. And I did. He calls me up. He's like, hey, man, just talk to the people. Do whatever you want to do. Of course, I had to sing something. So I sang a little piece of something, you know. <laughs> did you say dance? And they loved it. <laughs> and they loved it. I'm just joking. <laughs> and I then I talked to the to the program director. He was like, you know what, man? We're, we're about to add your music. Oh, my goodness. Now, he he's known me for years, though. And he's, I think what he knows is that I've been consistent mm. about my like what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. So to answer your question about how you how do we transcend the boundary, so to speak, I think we just got to be consistent and, and people got to believe what we're doing, mm-hmm. believe we value it and then believe that it's valuable. And he saw the value in it. Yeah. And like I said, this this is the mainstream station, and they have not added a new gospel song in at least two years. Wow. For real. But you understood your value, and therefore it resonated with him. Yeah, I wasn't asking him for it. Yeah. He just was like, we should do it. We should do right. it. And so that's what I'm hoping. And not everybody's going to get it. but The right people will get it. Yeah, there are people starting to get it now, to yeah. be honest. Honestly, they're getting it. Yeah. And you, like I said at the beginning of the show, you've been everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. (laughs) Like you're all over the place. So people say that. And I never feel like I am all over the place. I I always feel like there's somewhere else we could go. Yeah. Well, I was on your Instagram and I got tired just on this. I was like, oh, my God. I don't know how he does it, but I'm going to bed. Well, you got to get out here and tell people about the record, though. Yeah. So, and I've been fortunate to labels as Motown Gospel Man giving us a lot of opportunities to come out and share the record. So just keep we're going to keep rolling. That's great. Uh, so Brian Courtney Wilson, again, world renowned artist, gospel singer. Um, and we could find more information on your website. Yes. BrianCourtneyWilson.com. I I'm gonna I, I want to try my NPR voice. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. You can find more of my music <laughs> on BrianCourtneyWilson.com. That's BrianCourtneyWilson.com. <laughs> I love the pause. That pause was perfect. It was time. <laughs> but, I mean, you have a great voice. Do you do a lot of voiceover work and stuff? No, well? I've never done that. Oh, Actually, okay. that would be cool, to be honest. Yeah. Um, Chris, get on that. No. <laughs> that would be and pretty fly. Yeah. No, for real. Right? So, uh, you're, I know you're talking about your current album, but... You know, we always have to add, well, when's your next album coming out? Because, because you know, I'm just well, we, being part of the cliche. <laughs> well, you can ask, but we just came out with this like four weeks ago. Yeah. So it's going to be a minute, but <laughs> it's going to be a second. Yeah. But we do have a, my music video is coming out 
like June June first. So look okay. out for that. Yeah, June first. We're gonna put out a music. Where are video. you? Um, where are you shooting it? Well, it's, it's shot already. Oh. We shot it in Nashville, and uh, why Nashville? Is it cheaper there, or is it is it because Nashville is the music capital of the world? N- no, oh. it was it was um, a combination of things, but actually both of those things and none of those things. Nashville made sense for what we were doing. Yeah. Okay. Did you catch up with um uh Kristen, what's that young lady's name with the blonde hair from Nashville? You have to pick you like know, one cuz the- it's quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, the young girl that's like she dated Oh yeah, Taylor Swift. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. She was not there. <laughs> Did you catch up with Taylor I Swift? I didn't see Taylor Swift. Yeah. And I turned to Kristen to yeah. ask her, who's that young girl? <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there, throwing yeah, it out. Yeah, that's it. what I do. I speak it and it comes forth. You That'd know? be sweet. Yeah. Well, it's truly an honor to have met you, Brian. And to Same here, LaFern. Thank you. know who you are and, and thank you so much for sharing your talent and your time with us. Thank you for having our listeners it's been my pleasure to be here I, I really appreciate you making room for me thank you thank you and thank you all for joining me uh, for more information please log on to ESPNLA.com and download podcast or check me out on Twitter at Lafern Cusack and Brian you're on Twitter as well I I am on Twitter there there is a B <laughs> Courtney Wilson <laughs> that's B <laughs> Courtney Wilson <laughs> Instagram IG at Brian Courtney Wilson Facebook Brian Courtney Wilson and I think that's it right that's it yeah get at me I'd yeah. love to hear from you yes again Brian Courtney Wilson thank you so much this is ESPN LA 710 ESPN LA 710